Today's episode is part of our Protective Intelligence Honors Program, a program we developed at the Center for Protective Intelligence to celebrate the top pioneers and thought leaders in physical security. Each month, we will be recognizing groundbreaking professionals who have driven new shifts and novel practices, development of innovative solutions, and are contributing to influencing and advancing the physical security and protection industry. Today, I am speaking with one of our honorees, Meredith Wilson, CEO and founder of Emergent Risk, to discuss her views on leadership, changes in the physical security space, and more. For a complete bio, please visit our website, protectiveintelligencehonors.com. Meredith, welcome. Thank you. Tell me a little bit about how did you get into this business? Gosh, um, this business as in uh, private sector intel or this business is in security overall? Any way you want to play it. All right. Um, happy accidents uh, is the way I like to look at it. Um, sort of Forrest Gumped my way into it. That's not to, not to diminish anything, but um, I, I think uh, my career, uh, as I've found a lot of professionals in this field, has taken a, an interesting series of paths that kind of led me here, but it was certainly not my original intention when I was, when I was younger. The short version is um, I ended up going into um, Intel, uh, government Intel, after getting a scholarship in college uh, called the National Securities Education Program the David Boren uh, Scholarship. And that program requires a, a, you know, going and doing a certain number of years or months with the government in order to, um, you know, as, as sort of the, I don't know, a payoff for the, uh, for the scholarship. But it's a great, it's a great thing because it, it gives you a uh, pathway into government work. And uh, so I ended up working for DIA and, um, and that was a, was, fantastic, actually. I loved it. Um, ended up in Malaysia for a few years and uh, eventually made my way to Texas. Um, and that was by a, a, well, it was by a marriage, really. I ended up marrying somebody in the oil industry. So I ended up in the private sector earlier than, uh, than I would have originally intended, but um, fell straight into a role at ConocoPhillips. And um, right at the kind of right at the very beginning of, uh, you know, private sector intel becoming really a thing, um, prior to the, you know, kind of mid 2000s, there were pockets of people doing this work, um, some in banks, uh, some in oil and gas, but there wasn't a lot, uh, as you know, Fred, since you're one of the early pioneers of this. Um, and, uh, and so that, that kind of led me into really this whole idea of, you know, building private sector intelligence functions and all the different kind of cool things you could do when you were working in a smaller organization could innovate a little bit. Um, eventually, that led me to another role. And uh, and when I left that role, I went out on my own. So that's the short version. That's a great story. What's the biggest change that you've seen in the security space during your career? Well, you know, there's, there's a few things that come to mind. Um, I, I was talking yesterday uh, with a client, and we were talking about how it used to be that pretty much anybody that came into private sector security came out of government. And now we have this whole crop of young people coming in with no government experience at all, but bringing all these new innovative ideas and you know different ways of looking at things. So that's been a big change. Um, 
the prevalence of women in the field has changed a lot. I remember going to to my first uh, OSAC annual briefing and <laughs> looking through the crowd thinking, wow, um, <laughs> you, had to, you had to go pretty far to spot another woman. Now, it's, you know, some of those meetings are 50-50. Um, and it's, uh, it, and that's really changed a lot. And then I think the third thing is, is sort of the intellectualization of security, where we've gone from more of the the sort of corporate security being the you know the the, the retirement gubby um, you know your kind of cushy retirement job to this being a real discipline and um, you know one that really requires study and intellectual rigor and um, you know the ability to really build really good outcomes and and actually contribute to value in companies so that's been a really big change. Very well said. How has a failure? or apparent failure, set you up for later success? Meaning, do you have a favorite failure of yours? Oh, yeah. <laughs> How many favorite failures would you like? No. Um, it, you know, it, I, I, um, I'm very, um, I'm very open and very forthright about failures because I, I think this, um, you know, this mystique that people who are, you know, further into their careers and more professional tend to uh, tend to have for younger people is this idea that somehow they got there with, you know, no pitfalls and, 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 and no mistakes and, you know, that nothing bad ever happened to them. And so I like to, uh, you know, I like to disabuse people of that notion very quickly. And so, you know, for me, the starting my company was, um, it wasn't an accident, but it was not, um, you know, that was not my intended path. I had gone and taken a job with a smaller energy company. Uh, startup and really dynamic company, um, you know, just a, you know, it had started with five guys and um, it was really a fantastic place to work. And it was also a really interesting learning experience, but their whole management team turned over. And with that came the new boss who the first thing he wanted to do was cut a fifth of the workforce. And I was part of that fifth of the workforce. So um, that was devastating. Because, you know, kind of, you know, you know, anyone who's a kind of a um, very career oriented and, you know, very driven person, um, a layoff is just, it's, it's incredibly devastating. And so um, that was a really, really hard bump for me. And the, you know, starting the company was a, uh, both a, honestly, a protection against having someone else have that kind of control over my career, but really just, I, you know, I thought I, I just, I wanted, I wanted, I want to do some things that, you know, I, I've always wanted to see in the industry and haven't before, but I wouldn't have taken that chance had that not happened. And, um, you know, as I've watched a, a lot of other people go through that this year, it's been really, um, you know, it's been, it's been useful for me to be able to share that story so that, uh, you know, people don't feel like they're alone or that it's, you know, that this is somehow uh, life ending because it, you know, clearly is not. Wow. That's very inspirational. I, I really appreciate you sharing that for our audience. Let's switch gears. Now I'm going to ask you a hard one. What is your everyday carry? My everyday carry. <laughs> well, if I ever left the house anymore, um, <laughs> in the, in the pandemic world, it's probably my slippers, but <laughs> in the, uh, in the real world, um, you know, I, I mean, honestly, it's my computer because I, you know, for especially as a when I first started the company as a single sort of single member company, the company went wherever I went. So 
you know, it, and, and many people in the industry have seen me sitting at tables during OSAC meetings, furiously working on my computer, going, don't you have people to do that for you? Well, thankfully, now I do. But, uh, but for years and years, that was not the case. And so, um, yeah, it's always been my computer and my phone, because, it, you know, in order to, um, to keep the trains running on time, you can't, can't live without those two things anymore. So I, I wish it could be something more glamorous, but at the same time, I, I think it's really interesting and, and, and empowering that you can do that much and run a whole company with just a couple of devices in your pocket. It's, it's pretty amazing, actually. It truly is. Meredith, what motto do you live by? I guess I have a few, but the one that I, you know, the one that, that I think is, you know, is, is, is what's gotten me as far as I have gotten is, uh, is, is, is just to stay away from my comfort zone you know, especially right now, but, but it, at any time in my life, when you get too comfortable somewhere, it's, it gets harder and harder to take risks. And uh, that is also the case I've learned as you get older. Um, you know, things that I would have done in my 20s, like, you know, hopping on a plane with 500 bucks in my pocket to go live in another country is not something that, you know, I would probably do now. But, um, but I have, you know, often had to remind myself when these opportunities come up and, and now it's often business opportunities. But, you know, when I was younger too, you know, it, risky decisions, like, you know, am I going to move my whole family across the country to, you know, to do something totally different? Um, you know, there's, there's all these inherent risks, but if you, uh, you know, for me, if I spend, um, you know, too much time getting comfortable, then I stop wanting to do those things. And I, I don't think I've ever taken a risk that I've regretted. I love that. Meredith, is there anything I haven't asked you that you would like to share? Nothing in particular. I, uh, you know, I really appreciate the opportunity to to chat with you, Fred. I, you know, you're one of the the titans of the industry, so it's it's always really nice to uh, to have the opportunity to chat. But um, nothing comes to mind. Well, you're very kind. We thank you for being on the Ontic Protective Intelligence Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This episode was brought to you by the Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence. Learn more at ontic.ai slash center. Again, that's ontic.ai slash center. It was produced by A.J. McKeon. Our music is a track called Monte Verde Ride and was written by Brian Bristow and performed by Smoke and Novas. Check them out on Spotify. Please remember to rate and review our podcast on iTunes and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have questions, we'd love to hear them. You can reach us at podcast at ontic.ai or visit ontic.ai slash center for more information. And thanks for listening.